Hello. This is the first of a series of RTT podcasts, which we will be doing once a month to complement our monthly technology topics. My name is Jeff Farrell, and I'm one of the original co-directors of RTT, which, as you may know, has been providing RF design and consultancy services to the mobile phone industry for over 30 years. We start the new year with some thoughts on the future of the telecommunications industry and the shifting dynamics of the 5G and satellite supply chain. 5G is promoted to be the next big enabler of telecommunications industry growth, both in developed and emerging economies. However, this growth will only be achieved if the satellite industry can be motivated to share its spectral and space assets. To move the industry forward towards 5G, we are conducting a research study to produce what we hope is going to be a definitive economic and technical analysis of the 5G and satellite industry supply chain with an associated forward forecast of future asset and business value and relative competitive positioning. We're inviting you to become a co-sponsor of this study, which RTT programmes are conducting in partnership with the Mobile World and Policy Tracker. You can learn more about the study by going onto our website, rttonline.com, and from there to the research crowdfunding website, Collaborata. You're also invited to join us for a webinar hosted by Collaborata on January the 18th, during which we will talk about the study and answer questions. You can register again by going to our website. In the meantime, off we go with this first podcast. Technology innovations in the satellite sector, including launch innovation of space, hardware and software and system innovation, are together reducing satellite capex and opex, and will therefore deliver future gains in net margin. Examples of launch innovation include reusable rockets. Examples of space hardware innovation include electric satellites, I suppose they might be called Tesla sats in the future, and fractional beam-width antennas. Examples of system innovation include frequency reuse achieved through hybrid MEO and GSO satellite constellations. Examples would be angular power separation. After all, it's not rocket science. The result is more cost-efficient and power-efficient throughput delivered over ultra-sparse, specially efficient satellite network topologies. Companies such as OneWeb also base their business modelling on the assumption that satellite production costs can be reduced by mass-producing microsatellites. This was first attempted by Teledesic 15 years ago, but is now arguably much more realisable. Technology innovation in the mobile broadband industry, by contrast, is predicated on the assumption that 5G networks will be ultra-dense. The end result is an increase in capex and opex and reduced power efficiency. Company valuations in both sectors are based on turnover and profitability, competitive market positioning, asset value and debt ratios. The top four mobile broadband operators have 1 million employees and a combined turnover of $440 billion, including other revenues. The top four satellite operators have 7,000 employees and a combined turnover of $8 billion, a difference of David and Goliath proportions. Both sectors are highly geared. Intelsat debt servicing costs are equivalent to buying three new satellites a year. Mobile broadband assets include spectrum and sites, either owned or leased. A mobile broadband operator will typically have access to several hundred megahertz of licensed spectrum in the UHF band, L-band, S-band and occasionally C-band and several thousand or tens of thousands of base station sites. 
China Mobile, as one example, has over 1 million LTE base stations. Satellite operator assets include ground stations and space assets placed in geostationary orbital slots or in medium Earth, low Earth or occasionally high Earth orbits. A satellite operator would typically have access to several gigahertz of spectrum, including potentially some combination of UHF, Orbcom for IoT being one example, L-band, includes the GNSS bands, S-band, C-band, X-band, KU-band and KA-band high-throughput satellites. Spectral values are dependent on landing rights negotiated with countries covered by the satellite footprint, a substantially political process. Mobile operators and satellite operators are both financially sensitive to network underutilisation, described as low fill rates in the satellite sector. Some industry commentators are suggesting that if a significant percentage of present Constellation investment plans are realised, then the result could be significant overcapacity in the satellite sector. While this is a risk, the bigger problem is likely to be user device and IoT device cost and performance. Companies such as OneWeb and Facebook and Utilsat identify developing markets, including developing rural markets in Latin America, Africa and Asia, as target markets that comprehend the yet-to-be-connected 2.5 billion. Adding in these new users would improve fill rates, but would require present delivery cost models to reduce by several orders of magnitude. Premium connectivity services in the satellite sector cost three to five thousand dollars per month, and more basic services cost three to five hundred dollars per month. In the mobile broadband industry, we are more familiar with rates of the order of thirty to forty dollars per month, but to enable mass deployment in developing markets implies a need to reduce this to three to five dollars per month. Similarly, a terminal costing $1,000 is transparently inappropriate for markets where individual earning power is of the order of a dollar per day. Even $100 is too expensive. Ideally, the price point needs to be similar to a transistor radio at $3 to $5. The solution suggested by OneWeb and Facebook is to deliver two-way connectivity from the satellite to a base station costing a few dollars, with local access provided by Wi-Fi. But Wi-Fi does not have sufficient range and though lower cost than present LTE, is still too expensive. The cost includes patent costs which do not necessarily reduce with volume. The alternative would be to develop a purpose-made transceiver that provided wide area coverage, suggesting a need for at least a 1 watt or 2 watt device deployed into FDD spectrum to maximise received sensitivity. Ideally this device would have no associated patent costs. The device would, however, need to be globally standardised in order to realise sufficient scale to be cost economic. This would need to include a global agreement on terrestrial spectral allocation, band plans and guard plans and technology, and it would be unlikely that auction costs could be supported. This would have to be no-cost rather than low-cost spectrum. It is hard to see either the mobile broadband industry or traditional satellite industry either being able or wanting to do this. The mobile broadband industry has so much asset value and more importantly balance sheet value invested in expensive licensed spectrum that it would be hard and probably impossible for them to adopt a model with no auction protection. Particularly in markets where the auction process has been used to consolidate incumbent advantage. Similarly, their supply chain is critically dependent on realising revenues from standards-based patent income.
The satellite industry, by contrast, does not have an effective standards process. Value in the traditional satellite industry is realised from terrestrial and space assets, largely subsidised by military dual payloads and military research and development. Web-scale companies, including the Gaffer Quartet, Google, Amazon, Apple and Facebook, are beginning to engage with the 5G and satellite industry, but are starting from a different market position. Apple, over the last 10 years, when the iPhone was launched in 2007, has demonstrated that it is possible to capture a dominant share of the added value of mobile broadband connectivity without investing in that connectivity. It is the device and the applications on the device that confer value, not the network. This is known as the over-the-top OTT opportunity. A decision to address developing market requirements would, however, have significant device form factor implications. Approximately 800 million people cannot read or write or have limited numeracy skills. While Apple has not explicitly addressed this market, the company would undoubtedly have the requisite capability and resources. But there's also an associated capitalisation issue. We've referenced the high gearing and debt ratios that are a fact of life in the mobile broadband and satellite industry. In the mobile broadband industry, this is a consequence of over-regulation and aggressive competition policy coupled with an auction process deliberately contrived to elevate bid value for any available spectrum, driven by the myth that the industry is short of spectrum. In the satellite industry, it is a consequence of unfortunate timing with a deregulation and privatisation process that coincided with the dot-com meltdown in 2000 and the telecoms meltdown two years later. The related fibre overcapacity issue, dark fibre everywhere, and the competitive stampede to invest in new KU band and KA band constellations. In the 15 years since 2002, debt ratios and gearing the mobile broadband operators and satellite operators have increased relentlessly. During the same period, the cash reserves of the Gaffer Quartet have grown and grown and are now close to half a trillion dollars. The combined enterprise value of Echostar, Utilsat, Inmarsat, Intelsat, SES and Viasat is $49 billion. Hmm. Apple has $67 billion in net cash, Google $79 billion, Facebook has a comparatively modest $6 billion. Amazon has $1 billion of net debt, but remarkable customer reach. This means that at least three of the Gaffer Quartet, Google, Apple, Facebook and Amazon, could afford to buy some and potentially all of the satellite operators from their cash reserves. And the Gaffer Quartet cannot afford to stand still. So we propose the following scenarios. The first scenario we describe as Gaffer Sat. Disappointed by their experiments with balloons, the Google Loon Project and drones, Facebook, the Gaffer Quartet realised that they can buy satellite operators at a discounted price to the extent that their prior reluctance to invest in network access no longer applies. If the satellite operators fail to match Constellation investment fill rate expectations, they will be even more vulnerable. Connecting the 2.5 billion disconnected has a global strategic value, probably significantly higher than the present US defence budget, about $600 billion, and could probably make a bigger impact on future global prosperity and stability than the combined efforts of the US Department of Defence. The Republican-sponsored Space Renaissance Act highlights the US position, but does not explicitly address the disconnected or under-connected world. The Gaffer Quartet, by contrast, has access to rest-of-the-world customers that can deliver the fill rates that are needed to make the delivery economics make sense. 
Google and Apple and Facebook and Amazon all have experience in developing user interfaces and devices that could potentially be repurposed for sale into emerging markets. Amazon has a project denoting Kindles to developing countries. Competition policy might, of course, get in the way, in which case each company within the GAFA group would do their own thing. You could imagine a Google Sat, for example. But, of course, there are other options. Automotive manufacturers in some markets already deliver services to cars and lorries and buses via satellite. Sirius XM Radio in the United States is one example. The four largest car manufacturers have a combined turnover of $800 billion, employ 1.4 million people, and have a combined R&D budget of over $50 billion. Mind you, they don't have a great record of mutual collaboration. You could also consider other SATs. Other SATs could develop for discrete vertical markets. Farming, agrarian applications, Botswana farmers on their Tesla tractors would be one example. Medical could be the Trump Care Initiative. Energy and the environment, to name a few. In many ways, vertical market segmentation makes more commercial sense than legacy sovereign market segmentation. The common touch point is that the telecommunications industry remains over-focused on fully saturated developed economy markets. There are exceptions. Developing economies between the 48th to 48th parallel now make up 70% of Vodafone's subscriber base. China Mobile and the China-based LTE supply chain have successfully reduced terrestrial delivery and device costs to support market penetration into lower ARPU markets. The satellite industry to date has had less success and less motivation in reducing delivery and device costs. Partly this is due to having a supply chain still heavily geared to meeting military space requirements. Companies such as Lockheed Martin, Boeing, Northrop Grumman, Raytheon and Harris are significantly different to Ericsson, Nokia and Huawei, or Samsung and Qualcomm. The satellite supply chain has not had the scale or motivation to be able or willing to invest in truly low-cost user and IoT devices and has not to date had the agreed standards required for this to be achieved. OneWeb and similar new constellation enterprises may be able to change this model, though by definition start with zero market scale. Similarly, the prospect of reducing monthly revenues from $3,000 to $3 may not be immediately appealing. There is also a critical need for investment in fundamental component technology, for example, high-Q low-loss filters and power-efficient low-noise highly linear amplifiers for centimetre band and millimetre band user devices. Companies such as Avago and Broadcom, now the same company, Skyworks, Corvo, analog devices, Fujitsu, Infineon, NXP, now part of Qualcomm, Infineon and TI, all have to be motivated to invest in these technologies. This is high-risk material and manufacturing innovation with long rather than short-term returns. Part of the motivation is that parallel markets, such as automotive radar at 77 GHz, are delivering substantial added value both in terms of RF front-end component value and signal processing IP. But these companies will only invest in low-cost satellite end-user and IoT products and or low-cost 5G end-user and IoT end-user products once they are convinced that global-scale opportunities are a reality. This would require the satellite industry and the 5G industry, including fixed point-to-point backhaul vendors, to collaborate on spectrum and standards and for regulatory and competition policy to be more or less perfectly aligned. But as Mr Farage has said, anything is possible, and apparently and disturbingly, it is. 
Anyway, you can learn more about these topics by going onto our website, that's rttonline.com. You can read all about our wonderful supply chain study, which you can support and help us to finance. Uh, You can join us on the webinar on the 18th of January. Uh, You can buy one of our books on 5G. There's all sorts of things you can do to become part of the 5G experience with RTT. We look forward to talking to you again next month.